And maybe you're not feeling that. Maybe you're not, maybe that's not a, a tone or maybe that's something you're not even feeling in your spirit, but I believe it. And I pray that my faith, that our faith would rise up and we would all begin to believe together that God has great things in store for us in 2015. That it is a year of advancing, of going forward, of going to places we've never gone, of trying things we've never tried, of being people, of being new people. The time to be scared is over. The time to be anxious is over. The time to be fearful is over. We need to believe and trust that the promises of God are true. And if the promises of God are true and the foundation in which we stand upon is true, then what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? Nothing. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's impossible for him. Through Christ who gives us strength. Amen. So, Father, would you just pray with me? Jesus, I just pray that we would be able to stand and see above all of the turmoil, all of the frustration, that we would be able to see above all of that through the power of Jesus Christ, the power working in our lives and in us and through us. So, God, we just look forward to this season, this 2015 with you. Because I believe it's going to be a great year. I believe that we're going to have testimonies this year, Lord God, of accomplishment in Jesus, of overcoming, of addiction and of frustration and pain. God, a reconciliation of relationship. God, that we'll be able to look back in 2015 and say, man, God, you were so good. And I learned so much about you. And I did so many things for you. Just be with us, Lord God. May we be encouraged this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Well, welcome to Bradford Community Church. If you're visiting with us, we're glad that you're here. And uh, I promise you're not sitting in anybody else's seat. Um, so don't worry about that. Um, we're so glad that you see. Yeah, I know. You can sit wherever you want. There are no reserved seating except for maybe Heather, but she's not here today. But um, it's so good. I'm so, I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to be with you. I, I want you to feel encouraged. I want you to feel hope today because it is a, it is a day of hope. I know this sounds like a, like a New Year 2015 sermon. I know you're just like, you know what, he's just excited because he's supposed to be. No, I'm genuinely excited, okay? Like, I know that, you know, I should be excited, but I'm like, no, th there's something in me. There's something that honestly believes that we are going to advance, go forward, with Jesus this year. I honestly believe it. Uh, we were just at a family Christmas last night, and I kind of shared that with them, too. That was like the extended family Christmas, and we got together, and, and uh, it was just, it was just, I just want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be encouraged knowing that there are great things in store for us this year, great things in store, and I'm not, I'm not just saying it, because I don't say it every year. I mean, maybe I should, but I, didn't, I, just, I just feel like it, it is this year. Um, 
so this Christmas season, it seems to be like there's, there's lots of family get-togethers, lots of, uh, some, for some of us there is, some of us there's not. For me, both Pastor Becky and I have very, we've grown up in very strong families. So what that means is, is that we, we all want to spend time with one another, and there's only so much time that you have. So for me, I generally have five Christmas celebrations every Christmas. So I have Christmas with, with Becky and the boys and me, and then my uh, immediate family uh, for Fitches, and then Becky's immediate family for Birds, and then my extended family, my parents' family, and then Becky's extended family and her parents' family. So yesterday was the fifth Christmas we had over the season, which is a lot of dessert and a lot of turkey, and uh, it's a good time. But this year, it was a little bit different because a lot, sometimes we'll go up north to visit Becky's parents, but they came and visited us. And it wasn't, it was, it was for about a week, actually. We had Becky's uh, brother and her, their family staying at our house. And you know, you know that, you know that moment when you realize when people are coming over and you look at your house and you're like, oh my goodness, this is, like, really bad. Like, we're going to have to clean up our house before people come over and get, you know, the wrong impression, even though we're, we're all kind of dirty people. Like, I mean, it's, like, it lets, you know, sometimes our houses, they get messy. And, and so what you do is you go into this frenzy of cleaning up your house, and you're just like, okay, we just got to get everything ready because there's people coming over, and I'm kind of freaking out. And then there's that one place in the house that you put all the stuff, (laughs) right? When you clean up, there's this one closet or this one place where you're just like, don't go in there. That's no man's land. That's the abyss. You don't want to go into that place. That is where things disappear. Well, you know what? Honestly, when people come to my house, I kind of want to show them the nicer parts of the house. You know, I kind of want to show them like the cleaner parts or maybe the parts it's got, like, kind of the nicer parts. There's not a really big part of me that wants to show them the, the like the, uh, you know, you know, it's not, like, it's not like when I first, not when I first get people come to my house and I'm just like, hey, do you want to come see my closet downstairs? <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff in there. It's completely unorganized and it's all over the place. You're going to love it there. It's going to be amazing. Would you like to see the fourth washroom in our house? It's really clean. No one does that. You don't bring people over to your house and look for the dirtiest place and say, hey, come, why don't you come and see this? This is me. But I think that as, as sometimes as, as Christians, and we've been talking about what I mean to, to evangelize in, our, in this idea of coming and seeing and saying to people, you need to come and see what Jesus has done for me. You need to come and see what Christ has done for me. It's not a complicated process. It's not some sort of, uh, not some sort of theological expression that you have to give. It's just an understanding of God's changed my life. You need to come and see this. This is the simple expression of evangelism that we need to have. It's just an excitement about Jesus that says you need to, like, you should do this. (laughs) But sometimes I think it's as though we invite people to come and see Jesus and then we show them the dirty closet. 
We come and see Jesus and it's just like, so what is Christianity all about? Well, you're not allowed to do this. Well, you're, you're going to have to do it this way, and you're going to have to stop doing all those things, and then you're going to have to do this, and you know what? You can't wear this, and, and you really shouldn't do that. And some, sometimes I think when we, we, we come bring people to Jesus, we're bringing people to the closet in our, in our house. That really the good news of the gospel is about hope. That the good news of the gospel is about a promise of eternity, a promise of salvation, a promise of relationship that Christ gives to us. That sometimes we, we, we take people to the wrong place. And I honestly believe that we need to bring people to the promises of God. That those are the things that as a Christian I get excited about. I don't know about you. But I get excited about what God has promised us. Most of the time when we focus, we, we, we can focus on the don'ts. And we need to be able to articulate what is good about Jesus. So if someone were to come to you and just say, well, why are you a Christian? I think you should say something good. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like you need to, we need to be able to say good things, right? We, like, sometimes you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, I don't know, I, I think it's good. I mean, it's, it's great, it's amazing, but sometimes we have a hard time artic articulating that because we, maybe it sounds like we're bragging, or I don't know what it sounds like, but we need to be, to be able to articulate the good news, the joy of our hearts, the joy of our salvations. Why are you a Christian? Like, why is that a good thing? I think that's what people want to hear. I think people want to hear the good news of the gospel. And that we need to be able to share that with them. And in order for us to do that, we need to realize that there is good news about being a Christian. <laughs> that, though, that good news is found in the promises that Christ has given us, that a relationship with Christ, that God has promised that to do certain things for us as Christians and in our lives as Christians that make being a Christian very good and that we need to learn about these promises and be able to share these promises with other people because there are people around you who are asking themselves, why are you doing that? Like, why are you a Christian? Why would you want to? Because they honestly believe that what you're doing is not worth it. But obviously you think it's something good. So we need to share that good news. And so for this next winter season, we're going to be talking about the promises of God. Because when we come and see, when we invite people to come and see who Jesus is, I want to give them the promises. Now some of you have got your hands up already. Some of you are just like, but Pastor Shane, if we tell people all the good things about Christ, what about the suffering? Shouldn't we tell them about the suffering? Shouldn't we tell them about how hard and how, per how you need to persevere and how, you know, it's a struggle. And you, like, you can't just say how good it is. You have to tell them how hard it is. What we, we can't talk. Listen, I am telling you, the Bible always talks about the promises and the good things of God first. Listen to me. Whenever Christ or God 
interacts with man, he gives them the good parts first. In Deuteronomy, when he talks about the blessings and the curses, he talks about the blessings of serving Christ first. That's what we need to model as Christians. We need to give them the good news. Is there going to be struggle? Yes. Is there going to be hardship? Yes. But if we give them the promises first, it's a little easier to overcome the trials. Listen. We're going to go to Kansas Wonderland tomorrow. It's going to be a great time. We're going to go on roller coasters, and we're going to do all this stuff. But you have to clean up your room, and we have to get ready to go. Or you could start out, you need to clean up your room. We need to get all that done. So do it. And if you do it, then we can go. You see, the difference is, is that you have to give the blessings first. People are looking for good news. We're not, trying to, we're not trying to trick them into anything. I'm saying that there are promises of God that far outweigh, that far outweigh the trials and the, the tribulations that we have to go through as Christians. And that's the good news people want to hear. And we need to give them that good news. So I want to talk about promises so I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Yes, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Just a couple of verses for you this morning. Here's what it says. Understand, therefore, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. But he doesn't hesitate, verse 10, to punish and destroy those who reject him. You know what? I think for too often we focus in on the second verse and not the first. We think about the punishment. But we don't, what we forget to read is that he is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for thousands of generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. I don't know what lavishes means to you, but that means sounds like a lot. It seems like more than just a little bit. It sounds like a lot of love. So that's his promise. This is his understanding to us. And so we want to talk about God's promises for us and his love for us. But before we get into promises, before we start talking about this promise and that promise, we have to understand what we're talking about. That what is a promise? You're just like, well, this seems like grade seven social science. What's a promise? Like, can't we just look that up in the dictionary? Well, no, we don't. Because I don't think it's so cut and dry. I don't think it's as easy as we think what a promise is. First of all, we need to understand that a promise is a two-sided agreement. You're just like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Like, what if I, you know... Can I not make a promise to somebody and no matter what happens? Well, 
Not necessarily, because there, there's, we have to realize that it's a two-way street, that a promise is a two-way street. It's a, it's a two-way agreement. See, I mean, I can promise to, you know, take your dog for a walk while you're gone on vacation, but um, if your dog runs away, then I can't keep my promise. Well, you said that you walk my dog. Well, your dog's not there. Because sometimes this happens in life. Sometimes we make promises and the whole thing's changed. Let's say I'm going to help you move tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. How's that sound? Sounds great. Oh, we decided to move it until uh, like Monday morning at 10. Can you help me move then? Well, no. Well, you promised you could help me move. Not at Monday morning at 10. <laughs> I can't do it then. Promises, a promise is a two-way street. Listen, there are some people that believe that salvation is a one-sided transaction. There are those who will tell you that Christ's love for us and dying on the cross for us, that this is somehow a one-sided transaction from God, that it doesn't matter what we do, God has chosen to love certain people and not love other certain people. I am telling you right now that a promise is is an agreement between two people. That your relationship with God is not one-sided. You have something to contribute to the relationship with God. You have something to bring to your relationship with God. Now, I know this doesn't sound like the promises, but what I'm trying to tell you is that you have a part to play in your relationships. God doesn't just say, okay, well, I'm going to love you forever, and I'd be like, well, that sounds great. I'm just going to sit over here and do whatever I want. God's just going to love me forever anyway. So why should I do anything in response? That's, that's not relationship. And that's not who God is. There are moments in our life that we are connected with Jesus, we have a relationship with Christ, and there are moments that we can walk away from that relationship. And if we do walk away from that relationship, the promises of God, the relationship and the benefits of the relationship, they go away. What does this verse say? He says, look, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. He is a faithful God who keeps his covenant in thousand generations and lavishes on unfailing love of those who love him and obey his commands, but he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Listen, there are promises, but it's a two-way street. It's about, look, we're in this together. If I'm going to commit to you and you're going to commit to me, then we've got to do this together. And even with God, it's not just a one-sided relationship. He wants us to respond to him. And our response is important in the process. So listen, when the Bible tells us about the promises of God, we have a part to play in seeing those promises fulfilled in our life. We have a part to play. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But if you leave him and you forsake him, how can we just expect all of the blessings to continue? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Hey, uh, say to your, your child, hey, why don't you, you can stay at my house, and as long as you stay at my house, I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, I'll give you an allowance. But if your kid runs away from home, 
I'm not going to give you my food. I'm not giving you an allowance. I'm not like, it's a two-way street. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what promises are. That's what these agreements are. And even with God, and so we have to understand that the promises of God that we talk about are a two-way process. It's not just me doing something. It's not just God doing something. It's us doing something together. But there's also two types of promises, right? So the first type of promise is just, first type of promises is based on principle. It's like uh, when you get married and you, and you do your vows, and you say, I, I promise to be loyal. I promise to, uh, I, I vow, my vow to you is to love you, whether richer or poor, in sickness and in health. And Because uh, I'm, I'm kind of a suck when I'm sick. And so there's definitely moments when Becky's just like, ah, I promised in sickness and in health. So I pretty much have to help him where I can. Otherwise, I'd be like, stop, don't be such a baby and get off your butt. And, and but... These are the promises that we make, and it's based on principle. I promise to love you. I promise to care for you. And these are principles that, that don't have a time constraint. That it's not about time. It's not about time and space. There's something about the principle of the promise that realizes there's no timing to this. So when you, you get married, it's a promise to love each other, to look out for each other until death do you part. Bible says in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he says, be strong. He says, to, he says this to, uh, to Moses and he says it to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. For the Lord or God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. That's a principal promise. Based on outside of time and space, where that if you stick with God, if you are in relationship with God, He's not going to fail you, He's not going to forsake you. When we walk in obedience, it's not tied to a certain circumstance. The second one is specifics. Sometimes God has specific promises, like in Luke chapter 24, verse 49 For behold, I'm sending forth a promise of my Father upon you. But you're to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, listen, I'm gonna, uh, God is going to send the promised Holy Spirit to you, so stay in the city until you re- are clothed with power from on high. Now listen, there is a time constraint to that promise. I'm pretty sure that Jesus wasn't saying to his disciples, you need to stay in Jerusalem for the rest of your life until death. That's not what he said. He says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you to receive the promise from on high. That means it was coming. It was within time and space. And sometimes there are promises like that. There are, those are promises, again, that we make to each other. That's about a certain time. That's about a certain time constraint saying, I'm going to help you on this day. I'm going to do this for you at this point. And then it's... Again, a two-way process of us being able to keep your promise and being able to keep your word. And what we need to be reminded is that Jesus and God will always keep his word. He has always kept his word. There are principles that Christ gives us in the Bible, ideas where God says to us, this is what I'm going to do for you as a Christian. This is the relationship that we have for one another. And this is what I bring to the table. Those promises are true. 
he will always hold up his end of the bargain. And we need, to be, we need to be able to hold up our end of the bargain. And so, what you need to realize is that this whole idea of, of trusting on the promises of God is that a promise is really about trust. Giving a promise is really about trust. Because if, let's say that I promise to my son Boston here that I'm going to help him tomorrow build a snowman. There's no snow, not today. Say that, I say that to Boston. Now, or maybe I say to you, look, why don't we go out for coffee? I'm going to meet you on Tuesday at 11 o'clock at Coffee Cultures. Okay, why don't we do that? Okay, I'll meet you there. Well, how do I know that you're going to be there? Well, because we just made plans. Well, what if you don't show up? Then I'll be there all by myself. Well, you're just going to have to trust me, I guess. Well, how about I just come over to your house in the beginning of the morning, and then I'll make sure that you come to Coffee Cultures so that we can have, you know, I'll, I'll call you. Um, every 15 minutes, just to remind you that you're going to be there so that you don't forget. There's, when we make promises, there's, a, there's an element of trust to be able to say, okay, you're going to do your part, I'm going to do my part, and the reason that we're going to do this, we're going to trust one another, is because we have some sort of relationship that I honestly believe that you're going to hold up your end of the bargain. And so when we stand on the promises of God, there's an element of faith each and every time. In each and every moment that we stand on God's promises, there's an element of faith. There's an element of belief. I'm saying, I, I don't know if they're going to show up. I don't know if, I, I can't say for sure about whether God is going to hold up his end of the bargain because I can't see with my eyes. We have to trust in the relationship that we have with Christ to saying God has never broken a promise ever before. To be able to look at that relationship, to be able to look at that track record and say, I can trust him. I can walk in that obedience and believe on that promise because I know that he doesn't break his promises. And so we have to trust. As we talk about the promises of God, as we get into the winter, we have to, be, we have to understand that these promises are sure. These are things that we can bank on. And that we can truly trust God to come through because he has every single time in the past. Every time he has. And you know what? God promises to be good to you. God promises to bless you. And I think sometimes these, the good news of the gospel, we forget it because we think Because we think that we're somehow we're, we're just in it for the good stuff. That we're just in it, we're, we're, we're just serving Christ because of the good things of, of our life. Well, Pastor Shane, you can't just keep talking about the promises of God. You can't just be talking about God's grace. You can't just keep talking about God's news, the good news, like we can't just keep talking about that. And I'm, you know what the truth is, is, is yes, we can. 
is that I don't think that we should be, I don't think that we should be ashamed of the goodness of God. I don't think that we should be scared to tell people how good Jesus is, how good Christ is to us. That they're honestly, church, I'm not trying to be selfish, I'm not trying to go to another place. There are benefits to being Christians. There are benefits to being Christians. Wonderful benefit that we have in Christ, and we need to share those benefits with other people. Wait a minute. I'm not sure we can do that. What about the hardships? What about the pains? We have to make sure that they know it's hard, it's suffering. There are benefits to being a Christian. Jesus says there's benefits, and there's nothing wrong with me talking about it. It comes down to these couple of things. I, I don't know about you, but I was, uh, when I was growing up in elementary school, I'm going I'm to close, close with this. Actually, I'm going to get the worship team to come because we're going to do communion in a minute. Um, when I was growing up in elementary school, there was always this time at the end of the year This time at the end of the year when you would all, I, would, I, remember, I, I can remember like, like it was yesterday, I was sitting on the gym floor of the school and it was time to hand out the school awards. You know, every class gets certain awards and I, would, I remember them giving me this piece of paper with uh, 12 empty circles on it. And the 12 empty circles represented, in those circles, there would be stickers that you would get awards for. And you'd wait as they gave out the awards to see if maybe you'd get an award. And they gave out some, like, cool awards. I won the music award a lot, but that was kind of like the one award that I won. And then if you didn't really win any awards, they gave you like the big smile award. (laughs) But you hoped, you hoped that they would call your name. But an award is really about the person who gets the award, you know? Whenever you get a plaque, it seems like your name's on the plaque. That the award is about you. The difference between what we get from God, it's not an award, it's a reward. And the difference between an award and a reward is that a reward always comes from a higher power. Blessing someone who has done something right. That's a reward. It's not an achievement. It's not about me. 
And I think sometimes we don't want to talk about the great things of God because we think that we're somehow talking about us. And we fail to talk about the great things of God because we think we're talking about, hey, this is an award that I've achieved. This is something that I've done. Look at me. I'm a Christian. I'm somehow better than you. When in reality, what we get from Christ is a reward. That it's not about me. It's about the king that I serve who is rewarding me for doing the right thing on his behalf. It's not an award. It's a reward. And that the promises of God, that if we follow those promises, he rewards us. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a reward. It just means you've done the right thing. Do I want the rewards? Yes, I do. Is it wrong for me to want the rewards? No, it's not. Why? Because I'm serving my king. I'm serving my God. The blessing of God, the blessing of his promises is not a badge I wear on my chest with my name on it that says, well... The reason things are going so well is because you're such a good guy, Shane. The reason that you're able to overcome all these hardships is because you're such a good Christian. That's not what I'm trying to say. The reason we can overcome all of these trials and tribulations is because of the reward of serving Christ. He rewards us for the good things that we do. So let's share those rewards with the people around us. Let's let them know and say, look, look, the, the reason that this is going so well is because Jesus Christ is in my life. It's not because I've done anything, it's because of him. The reason I'm able to get through this is because of Jesus in my life. The reason I have been blessed is because of him. That's the good news. The reason I'm not scared is because I'm going to spend eternity with him. It's not an award. It's not something I've achieved. It's a reward. And the rewards are great. They're amazing, the rewards. I wouldn't want to give up the rewards of serving Christ. It's, it's God's grace that even allows us to be rewarded for doing the right thing. But that's what he wants to do. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God that we get to serve him and he rewards us for serving him. Of course it's about him. promises of God are true. The promises of God are real. And God wants you to share those promises with the people around us. So that they know that serving Jesus is good. That they know that it's, it doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, but it's going to be way better than without him, right? Right? Right?
there's nothing wrong with saying that. So, I want us to be able to, in this season, say yes and amen to the promises of God. Say yes and amen to the blessings that he has for us. The way that he protects us. The way that he provides for us. The way that he shows us what we, want, what we need to do in our lives. I want to say yes to all of those things. I don't want to say no to them. I don't want to think to myself, well, well I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it should be me or if I'm good enough. No, I just want to say yes. I want the rewards. Yes, I do. I want the rewards because it means I've served my Jesus. It means I've done the right thing. It means I've given my life to him. It means that he's going to be, it it means that he's, his life is going to be furthered. It means this unselfish expression is going to, people are going to see more of Jesus and, and, and the, the kingdom of God is going to grow. I understand that this might be a hard message for some of you to hear that maybe I shouldn't be thinking about the rewards. Pastor Shane, it's so selfish to you to think about rewards. That's like, that's like telling people about Canada's Wonderland and saying, well, what's it like? Well, there's a lot of walking. <laughs> Food's really expensive. You know, it's tough. You gotta wait in lines. You know? You wanna go? Wanna go to Canada's Wonderland? Sounds like a good time, right? Right? This serving Jesus is the best life ever. Okay? It's the best life ever. Okay? So maybe we should set, maybe we should tell people about the ride of life. Maybe we should tell people about, about how amazing it is and the benefits and saying, look, I can just go on the same ride over and over. I went on the ghoster coaster 25 times in a row. It was amazing. And maybe we should be excited about that and not be, not be scared to tell people about the good things because it's not an award, it's a reward. That serving Christ is going to be way better than that because it happens for the rest of eternity. It's for the rest of eternity. We're going to take a moment and and share in communion, and you're just like, why would we share in communion right now? Because right now is a reminder of the promise that Christ has given to us. Jesus said to his disciples on the night he was betrayed, he says, listen, Let's get together. I want, to have, I want to have this meal with you. I want to have this time with you. And I want you to remember it forever. And the reason I want you to remember it forever, because it's a promise to you forever. It's a promise that the blood of Jesus continues to change people's lives and it will continue to change people's lives for generations to come and that it can continue to change your life. 
as you draw closer to him. Remember that what I've done for you, what, what, what I'm going to do for you, what I've done on the cross is a promise that will never fade. Is a promise that is available to every person who ever lived on the face of the earth. And that you need to be reminded of that promise. You need to be reminded that what Christ has done for us is such an extraordinary blessing. that the reward for accepting him is eternal life. So, you know, if I want to accept Jesus into my life and be like, okay, well, God, I mean, I'll just do it for, for now, but I don't want the eternal life. Of course you want the eternal life. So listen, just as we come, as you come, and if you... If, to take, bring the, get the emblems and take them back to your seat, would you just be... Be blessed and think about what God has done for you. And then we're going to share this, this communion together. So would you just come? Would you just come in and receive and, and uh, come and get the emblems? Would you, just, would you just come? This is kind of the, normally the way that we do it. So what are you playing? Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation. Where your blood poured out over me Now my soul cries down Alleluia Praise and honor to thee Oh, that rugged, oh, that rugged cross My salvation My soul cries out, Alleluia, praise and honor to Oh, that rugged, oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where you love poured out. My soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor. To the bridge, now my, now my dad. Now my dad is paid, it is paid in full at the precious blood where my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full by the precious blood where my Jesus spilled. 
now the curse of sin has no hold on me whom the sun sets free always free now my debt is paid now my debt is paid it is paid in full at the precious blood where my Jesus spilled now the curse of sin has no hold on me whom the sun sets free always free on even these songs who the son has set free is free indeed whom the son has set free is free indeed listen Jesus said to his disciples he says this is my body which is broken for you do in remembrance of me remember what I did for you so that you can remember the promise I am making to you so that you can remember salvation so that you can remember my death on the cross and when you remember Christ's death on the cross you remember that he rose again and conquered death forever and because we remember that moment we can remember that our salvation means eternal life. Would you partake with me? Would you remember his broken body, what he's done for us? And then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant. This is the new covenant of my blood. This is the promise I make to you. This is the new agreement that we have together. Never again will you have to be afraid to be in my presence. Never again will you have to go through someone else to communicate with me. Never again will I I treat people on a, on a national basis but that each and every individual I will communicate and talk and have relationship with each and every individual that means each and every one of us can have a connection with the creator God that's a promise that he's sealed with his death on the cross that's a promise that he says to each and every person who's ever lived on a planet you can connect and Communicate with God. He can speak to you and give you insight about your life that will change you. This is the promise that my blood seals. Remember, do this in remembrance of me. Remember the promise. Would you remember with me today? It's going to be an extraordinary year. It's going to be an extraordinary year. And listen, here's what I want you to do. 
We've spent the whole fall talking about evangelism. What it means to tell people to come and see how we do that, how we interact with people. We've talked the whole fall about it. I want you to know that each and every sermon that we bring right up until Easter is going to be based on one of the promises of God. I want you to know that if you want the people in your lives and your relationships to hear one of the promises of God that's going to change their life, you need to bring them to church because they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear the good news. They're going to, you're going to show them the benefits, the rewards of serving Jesus Christ each and every sermon. I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to hear the promises of God for the next three months. And while that may be, you think to yourself, wow, that's a long time to think about promises. It's going to be good. We've talked the whole fall about evangelism. Here's your opportunity to say, come and hear one of the great things, what it means to serve Christ. One of the amazing things it means to be a Christian. Would you do that? It's going to be a great season. It's going to be a great year. Would you just stand? We're going to close in prayer. going to be a great year. Do you agree? Say yes to that. Come on, we say yes to that. Say, God, it's going to be a great year. God is going to take care of us. Come on, let's just lift our hands to God. Say, God, he's going to take care of us. He's going to use us. He's going to provide for us. He's going to show us. He's going to heal us. He's going to use us. God, we are just looking forward to what you have for us, and we say yes to it. We say yes to your promises, God. And as we learn about your promises, I believe, Lord God, that there are going to be more people who come to know you, Jesus, who are going to say yes to you for the very first time because of what you're doing in us and through us, Lord God. We stand upon your promises because they're good. And the rewards are great. Why wouldn't we serve you? So, Father, just go with us today. And I pray that you keep everybody safe as they came, as they faithfully came to church today. Lord, I pray that you'd keep us safe, Lord God, and that we would just have hope today, that we would have life today, that we would believe that tomorrow, this next week, this next month, this next year, is something that we can look forward to and say, God is going to bless me and take care of me and walk with me this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Give somebody a high five, a hug, or a punch in the shoulder, however you'd like to connect.